welcome to kingdom.think where we are reading the bible in one year and today's reading is second chronicles 29 and 30 and philemon we're going to actually cover the entire book of philemon it's just one chapter and it's actually a letter from paul to a man by the name of philemon and he's he was a wealthy man and it's actually it was probably like it, it seems more like a note as opposed to, well, no, it's a letter. Anyways, he's writing to this guy because the slave of this man um, escaped. I actually don't know all the details. Was he a good guy, bad guy? I don't know. But he escaped from being a slave. And when he got to Paul, he got saved and he 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 changed. He became a new person. And Paul wanted him to go back to his master, Philemon. But Paul sent a letter asking Philemon to forgive this man. Now, we might be like, well, but that's not right. He should have let him be a free and not be a slave. I think slavery back then is very different than it is how we would consider it now. I mean, there, there's a lot of similarities, but at the same time, was it an agreement? Was he forced to be a slave? Um, it's, there's a lot of differences, so the main point is, Paul was sending this letter to Philemon to forgive, his name is Onesimus, Onesimus, um, and to forgive him for escaping, for his previous behavior, don't really know. Um, but the whole message of this book is the idea of forgiveness and how difficult that is um, but just having grace. And it's funny because Paul did say, I could actually force you to forgive him, but instead I'm asking that you do it with an open heart and a willingness heart to forgive him and receive him again. Um, yeah, it's an interesting one. I don't, if you've never read Philemon, you definitely need to read it because just his style of writing the letter, the way Paul wrote it, and... Um, it's like a very gentle whisper of, hey, guys, I know forgiveness is hard, um, but, but it's worth it. What's interesting about reading Philemon on forgiveness, then you come over here to um, 2 Chronicles 29 and 30. And what's so crazy and that's so beautiful about the Bible and the way it does it is we were talking about forgiveness, but then we move on to 29 and 30 where we have King Hezekiah He's on the scene. He's now the king. And this whole thing about chapters 29 and 30 is Hezekiah asking God essentially for forgiveness in the most huge way. So even though Paul was asking Philemon, just forgive this slave, Hezekiah brought the people and in a massive, massive way, not only forgive, but beg for repent, just repent, repent for your sins and acknowledge what you've done. So, so important. And that's what Hezekiah is telling the people. He was 25 years old when he became king. And he said, he gathered the Levites. He started with the Levites because they were the heads of the church, right? They were the shepherds essentially. And he started there before he approached the people. He said, you guys need to get right. You're the leaders of the people 
um, so you need to consecrate yourself. And he says, listen to me, Levites, consecrate yourself now and consecrate the temple of the Lord, the God of your ancestors. Remove all defilement from the sanctuary. Our parents were unfaithful. They did evil in the eyes of the Lord, our God, and forsook, forsook him. They turned their faces away from the Lord's dwelling place and turned their backs on him. They also shut the doors of the portico and put on the lamps. Okay, so he's telling the Levites, first, you guys have to start because if you consecrate yourself and you do right in the eyes of the Lord, then the people will be able to follow. So wise, so smart. And we, yes, it's a great story, but how does it apply to you? It's like, who's that, who's the influence of the house? Somebody take a stand. Somebody say, hey, in this house, we're going to get rid of any evil. We're going to pray. We're going to serve the Lord. What does that look like? So then you move on to what did that actually look like to Hezekiah? We're going to clean house, get rid of all the stuff that is causing um, temptations or causing people to worship idols, getting in the way of being focused on the Lord. And then he did the right things by making sacrifices and you got to read it. He it's pretty elaborate of all the things that he did. And he's just following Moses's law. And he brought the book of the law of Moses back. Then he gathered the people and he told them exactly what we're going to do. We're going to, um, everyone consecrate yourself. We're going to worship the Lord. We're going to bring back all the things of Moses's law. And the people did it very quickly and very willingly. And he explained to them that the people of our past were unfaithful to the Lord and the Lord was not happy about that. But if you repent, he will forgive. And if you do what is right, you can't just ask, you can't just say, oh, I repent, ask for forgiveness, and then stop trying to change your behavior. You have to um, get rid of the things that are in your way <clears throat> and, um, and change a real true transformation. So that's what he's doing here. He's telling people, you have to have real true transformation and the Lord will forgive and the Lord will bless us just like he did to um, our previous fathers who did good in the eyes of the Lord. So then he wants to celebrate the Passover. So exciting. Now he's going to, he's, he's situated his own area He's got them ready, got them consecrated. He says, now we're going to bring back tradition. We're going to celebrate the Passover, which we haven't done in years and years and years. We've gotten careless. We're going to bring it back. You know, it kind of reminds me, let's say a family who hasn't gone to church. They don't go to church regularly. And somebody in the head of the household says, hey, we're going to, we're going to bring that back. We're going to start going to church. We're going to start going to church as a family so good. Wow. Powerful. And, um, Hezekiah sends a letter to all the people in the land, all over Israel, all over Judah, everywhere. He says, look, people of Israel return to the Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, that he may return to you who are left, who are, who have escaped from the hand of the Kings of Assyria. Do not be like your parents and your fellow Israelites who were unfaithful to the Lord, the God of their ancestors, so that he made them all objects of horror as you see, do not be stiff-necked as your ancestors were. Submit to the Lord. Come to the sanctuary, which he has consecrated forever. Serve the Lord your God so that his fierce anger will, will turn away from you. If you return to the Lord, then 
your fellow Israelites and your children will be shown compassion by their captors and will return to this land for the Lord your God is gracious and compassionate. He will not turn his face from you if you turn to him. Oh, that's definitely a mic drop. That's the letter he sent all over the land with messengers. And then he invited all the people to celebrate the Passover, even the people who weren't Israelites. And he said, we are going to worship the Lord. We're going to celebrate. We're going to praise in song and celebration, and they, and they were joyful. Wasn't that so good? Isn't that so? And it was effortless. It was so easy. The, it, it even says it, it happened very quickly, and it happened easily. That's how easy it is. People think, oh, I just can't. I just can't do it. I can't turn away. You can. You actually can. You can turn away from um, evil, evil thoughts, behaviors. Yes, you can. And um, because these people, if, if they can do it, trust me, you can do it. Because these people, it, it had been embedded in their culture. They didn't have a Bible to read. Um, they didn't have books to read on their history, right? Only if the Levites taught them what was written in the scriptures, in the, in the Moses book. And yet they were able to do it. They didn't have such confirmation of who God was. And yet they were able to give up how hard it must have been to give up their idols because to them, their idols were um, like they can't live without it. Just like some people can't live without their cell phone. They can't live without certain people in their life. These guys had to give up something that important as well to serve a God that they couldn't see and they couldn't read from a Bible. So if they could do it, trust me, you could do it. Um, and that's what they did when Hezekiah was reigning. And then as we know, later on in history, you know, later on, even after Hezekiah, how easily they were swayed back into evil, right? We know that's going to happen. But right now, we can also see that if they stand their ground and they do the right things, how easy it is um, to have joy and peace and to worship God and God blesses them. Easy. But there were still people who were captured, right? So there's, so there's still people who were captured and were prisoners in other lands. So just because all these people are now praising God and worshiping God, it doesn't mean the consequences of the actions weren't still, still there. They still were suffering from some consequences. But for the people that were left, they worshiped God and God blessed them. And hopefully some of those people people that were captured will be set free. Maybe God will do a miracle. Maybe some of the consequences of the behavior from the past, there will be redemption. <laughs> okay. I know I took these two very simple chapters in a whole different direction and just really expanded on it, but I want you to really recognize that even though it's historical stories, how applicable it is to our real life and how beautiful it is, how we read the story of Philemon and how it matches it literally matches the same theme that's going on in chapter 29 and 30. So good, right? Okay, my friends, that was Second Chronicles 29 and 30 and Philemon. Hope you enjoyed that. Have a great day. See you tomorrow.